Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to what I was going to call the very last day of summer podcast, because I feel like once you get into September, you have Traverse City, a little bit of preseason action going on, but um, this will not be a dog day of summer podcast, because we have a very special guest on the air with us today, former New York Ranger Colton Orr. Colton, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I'm doing good. Just, uh, like you said, counting down the days for the season to get started, and uh, you know, just looking forward to another Ranger season. That you are a regular fan right now listening to this podcast. A former NHL hockey player is just as anxious for hockey to start as you are. So, at least in that regard, we are somewhat like you guys. Um, so, Colton actually has a lot going on, and I'm sure you guys are aware that the sequel to Goon, which was a movie uh, that came out, I think, a couple of years ago, um, is yeah. out, and Colton Orr is going to be a star on the big screen. Uh, the movie is out tomorrow. It releases to the theaters, and uh, our good friend Colton Orr will be performing in that. So what, what was that like? Was it cool to be in a movie? Was it, uh, there's a couple of other hockey players I know who are also some NHL guys who are in there as well. Um, was it something you were looking to do? Was it something that somebody came to you with? How did that whole thing get started? Well, after the the first goon came out, like right away, a lot of players loved the movie. It was just, you know, it was a great film. Uh, it was done really well. And uh, it just, you know, so I, we couldn't wait for the sequel to come out. And when I heard they were doing it, uh, Jay uh, Bearshell happened to reach out to me and ask if I wanted to be part of it. And I was like, for sure I do. Like, I love the first one. Like, let's, you know, any way I can be involved, um, I want to do it. So it just kind of came out like that. And then when I got to be a part of it, then we got to do some, uh, actually get on set. It was a real eye-opener because this is completely different. You're in your gear all day. You know, you, you, you're getting, you're filming all day or all weekend to get, you know, maybe a, a minute scene, if that, like a couple of clips. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the fighting was definitely uh, for me, different. Like I, like we've been talking about it. I couldn't pull my punches. I really wanted to just fight. Um, there's some good fighting scenes. <laughs> I'm like, I, 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 it'd be easier if I could just actually hit the guy, or if he can hit me, I'll take a couple. Um, you know, so just we, we just we had a lot of fun on set. Like you said, there's a lot of former guys, uh, well, a lot of former and current guys. You had Peros, you had The Rock, uh, Prost, uh, Delzato. I like, there's there's a whole handful of guys in the movie. Um, so it was just great because it was just, you know, it was some really good actors that really kind of helped us out and kind of showed us the ropes and we both had fun with it. We just, you know, it's a, a really good day and a couple of days of filming and it's just, you know, I can't wait for it to come out in the States now. I actually didn't realize Preston Delzato were in it. There's a nice little Ranger, former Ranger, uh, therapy group going on there for that, yeah. that movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was quite a few. So it was, it was good. Uh, what was your favorite part? of becoming an actor? Um, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say. I, I think just uh, like being on set with like, you know, you're on there with uh, Liam Schreiber, you know, like you're, you're working with him. He's, he, he's, you get the being fighting scene with him. It was just really cool to be among guys that are so talented um, at what they do and just kind of be a part of that. This was, you know, the, my best ex- experience for me. Yeah. I mean, if you are uh, a fan of the, the old game of hockey, it's pretty much, it's like slap shot, but for now instead of in the past, if you don't, I actually, oh God, I was with the New Britain Herald, uh, which is a, a newspaper in New Britain, Connecticut about five years ago or six years ago. And the, uh, 
the three, the Hanson brothers came to the alumni game between the uh, the Hartford Whalers and the the Boston Bruins. They played the alumni game at a uh, Rankler. Brian Leach was there, and um, all the all the old guys, and and they did like a they went around and just beat the crap out of some guys on the ice and they took a ton of penalties. And you see some of these older guys in the crowd who are looking at them like they were kids again. And, um, slap shot was a little bit before my, my time and Mike's time, but, um, this, these movies, these goon movies have sort of a cult following at this point. So, um, yeah, definitely they, they do. Go and ahead. you talk about like, just a, a funny story about like, uh, so actually the story goon is based on a guy named Doug, the thug who uh, Doug the Thug Smith and in Providence with Providence Bruins when I played there, he was my fighting coach uh, for the team. Like he would hang heavy bags from the rafters or he'd put on like sparring gear and we had body gear and we'd be hitting them on the ice and grappling. And so this is kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of full circle. This movie is actually a little like just loosely based on, kind of like this guy who was just this, you know, crazy fighter, loved to just kind of go out there and fight as much as he could, wasn't a very good player at all. But, uh, yeah, so it was pretty cool that he was actually my fighting instructor. Greatest nicknames on the planet come from, I feel like, junior and minor league hockey. Doug the Thug is an outstanding name for a guy who's fighting oh. in the juniors. Oh, for an oh, enforcer? Yeah, Doug the Thug, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Perfect, how, could you, how, how does it not get better than that? I also had Mike and I, was, I had no idea that it was based on an actual person, no clue in the world. So that's a nice little yeah, fact amazing. to take with you. <laughs> when you have, that's that's amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah, he's actually um, he's in the sequel. He's in the sequel. Oh, he's is he? In one of the fighting scenes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Just the the degrees of separation between everything is is really really cool. Um, since we're speaking about you taking on a more expanded role on the screens, you're also doing some broadcasting for SNY now. And uh, you said you were doing a little bit of that last year. Now you're going to maybe do a little bit more. Yeah. So it, it, you know, came about last year where I got to go on for uh, Rangers, you know, down the stretch and for the postseason. And, and for me, you know, it's really different being on front of camera when I played, you know, I wasn't the biggest guy to be out, you know, wanting to go talk to the media, you know, I'd avoid them a little bit. But now I'm actually, I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I get, you know, I get privileged to still continue to talk about hockey, get to watch a lot of games. And, and like I said, I, I really enjoy it. I am a fan of the Rangers and, and still watching hockey. So it's it just, it's a good fit. And I'm really, really enjoying uh, doing it right now. So is it weird being on the other side of that relationship? Like you're, you, you obviously had a, a very really long NHL career. You're, you just said you kind of avoided the media. I'm sure you're not the only NHL player who's a little gun shy around them. And now you're on the other side of the microphone kind of asking questions. Was there, there a transition there? Oh yeah, it's definitely different. It, it's something, um, like you said, it was, it, it's, 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 it's hard. It's, it's their job as well, right? They want to get to the good stories. They want to, you know, get the information about the players. Um, so, you know, you can, you see the other side of it now that, that I get to actually do it. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's not an easy job as well. It's something you have to, you have to work at and you got to, you know, look for that good story or make sure you're getting the right information. And, and like you said, it, for me, it's just something that I've, it's keeping me excited. It's keeping me involved. And I've, I've just, I'm having a blast with it. Was, was going into broadcasting something that was kind of in your head during your career? Um, because I know, I can imagine that while you're playing, you know, all you can think about is just the game and continuing playing. But was there a point, you know, 
maybe towards the end of your career where you said, you know, when I hang up the skates, I don't want to just have hockey out of my life. Um, I always knew I was going to stick around the game. Um, hockey's been so good to me. Uh, I was so fortunate to play as long as I did in the NHL. Um, and I, I, I always want to stick around the game and I, I want to do something where I can be involved and continue to be, you know, involved with the game. And in some way I also wanted to like, you know, help kids, help develop players. And so it just, for me, like I said, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I was trying to figure that out. The first year was kind of me, you know, trying things. Uh, I did a little scouting with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, you know, I tried the broadcasting. I've done a lot of charity work with, with the Ranger alumni. I was just trying to sort and navigate through, you know, what, what I wanted to do. So, and, and so it just kind of fell on my lap uh, where I got a contact with SNY. And, and it's just been, it's been a lot of, like, I've been just kind of working on that right now and kind of pursuing that. And from a Rangers standpoint, Valaquette, Buran, who now is actually going to be, I think, doing color commentary for the Sabres. Um, there is yeah. definitely a, a, a gateway good. there for, for that type of stuff. And, um, it's, you know, it's really cool because I think Valaquette, who uh, you obviously played with and know, um, has some of the best analysis that you're going to get these days from watching Rangers hockey just because the guy knows what it is he's talking about. Uh, not that... I would go against listening to anybody who has never played the game before on a professional level, because that would be me, Mike, and everybody else who writes for Blue Shirt Panther. But um, I I think it is really cool to hear from these guys who have actually played the game before and you bring an insight or a level of insight that other guys don't because you've been there. When Valakhet talks about the stuff that Henrik Lundqvist does or his likes and dislikes, well, he shared the locker room with them for a few years. So it definitely carries a little bit more weight and, um, it's really cool, and it's good to hear that it's going well. And then uh, on the other side, you're doing some coaching for the Fairfield Junior Rangers, correct? I am, yeah. So this is just very recent for me. Um, I just started, you know, I've had like two practices with them. And like I said, I just to, to develop players is something I'm passionate about. And wanting, like near the end of my career, I started to really work with the young guys, really be that veteran presence around the room. So I think that's kind of, for me, that's what I want to do now as well. If I can pass along my knowledge that what I used and how I got there and what it took, um, you know, I think that's what I think it'll help the kids and be able to develop and kind of, you know, see if they can make it or help them out through their, their career path. You, uh, you have a couple of daughters, correct? I got one daughter and one son. So my daughter, one daughter and one turned, son. Uh, five and my son is one. Sympathetic that my wife is having a daughter in uh, three months. Jesus Christ, it's coming pretty quickly. Um, you're gonna have a little, uh, couple of little hockey players there. Maybe a little New York Riveter coming around. Oh yeah, so my, my daughter. She, you know, she grew up around the game. She, she loves it. She's always been around the dressing room and, and on the ice. And she's starting uh, this year with the, the the Rangers Learn to Play program, uh, which she's so excited for. And it, it's oh, just great. like, I, I, yeah, I can't wait for the, to get out there and she got all her gear already. And it was like Christmas around here when she, when she got to try it on. She was, so it, it's fun to see her really, you know, love the game just from being around it so much. Um, so, and, and she had a little bit of fun. Uh, she got, I posted something on Twitter and it got to like the, the riveters and, and all that. And they were kind of, you know, joking around with her being, you know, a draft pick in the future. And so it's fun. I, I'm so excited. It'll be like that proud dad of, you know, watching my daughter play hockey. And then my son, when he gets old enough, I have, 
I'm sure I'm hoping he's going to want to play as well. So, yeah, it, it'll be fun to be able to help and possibly coach them when they get a little older as well. I think the Rangers do a lot more grassroots programs than people realize. There's a lot more that go on in uh, in New York and definitely the DMA than I think a lot of people realize. And it's something we've talked about on the website before. It is really important. If you look at some of the, the more loyal, non-traditional fan bases, if you will, and I'm putting quotations around that, Nashville's a really good example of a team that really invested their time in getting kids into hockey when they were really young. And those are the types of yeah. things that go Arizona a long way too. to, yeah, A, creating a, a, like a lifelong fan, but B, really building a fan base because you have a bunch of kids. It, it's infectious. It really is. So it's good to hear that, you know, she's involved in some of the stuff that the Rangers are doing. Ice hockey in Harlem is another one that goes on. Mark Messier is working on a couple of projects as well. Um, there, there's a lot to be said for that type of grassroots campaign. You could see, even Las Vegas did a whole basically hockey 101 thing this summer, a couple of those events as well. And that is exactly how you grow the game. And you might look at the Rangers and think, well, there's no need for them to do that. They're an original six franchise, biggest city in America. And while all that is true, you really can never have too many fans. And um, there's going to be plenty of people who are going to pass their fanhood down. Like I'm going to, to my daughter and as Colton obviously has with his children, but there's also a lot of people that need to get into it organically and, there's some really cool things um, to be done yeah. there. Mike, I feel like, like I cut like, you off. Oh, Colton, I cut yeah. you off. <laughs> no, Even no, worse. I was kind of cutting you off. But I, I just think, like you said, the Rangers, they do a, they do a great job with uh, youth hockey and developing from the, you know, from the grassroots up. But it's just, you know, they came with this new program. They have a rookies, like, for beginners league that they're starting right now. Um, that's, you know, for kids that, you know, they're not sure if they want to play hockey, but, you know, they want to try it out and, so, so they got all these programs that are available um, to kids around the you know the tri-state area, which are, are just great for for them to become fans and also just to get out and be active and have fun. So, yeah, like you said, it's fun to see um, kids uh, you know jumping on the bandwagon, being Ranger fans or just being hockey fans. Yeah, it's funny. I was on a I was on the train recently talking to a bunch of pretty hardcore Rangers fans, and I asked a question that no one could answer, which was, when was the last time a, uh, a New York City-born guy, you know, a, a New York, New York guy made it to the NHL? And no one really had the answer for it. You know, there's the famously the Mullen brothers, but uh, there's plenty mm-hmm. of guys who, you know, came up through programs like Mid-Fairfield and like uh, New Jersey Rockets has produced a lot of NHL talent like uh, know the answer to a couple other guys. You might. Is it, where's where's Shattenkirk from? Yeah, where's Shattenkirk? He's he's kind of the he's New York, isn't he too? Yeah, Shattenkirk is obviously. what New Rochelle, but I think wasn't Nicky Fatio the yeah. first New York Ranger the, who was born in New York? Well, Shattenkirk's Greenwich, Connecticut, apparently. Oh, <laughs> we were close. Get to the bottom of this. Yeah, we were which is really close. Pretty much adjacent. Nick Fatio, Staten Island. Ah, that's got to count, right? That's a borough. It's close. Do you know the answer since you asked the question? No, yeah, I, I just thought up. it was. No, it just, it's to me, it's it's so interesting because you think of how many. You can't go to a, a rink in the NHL without seeing Rangers fans, and a lot of them. And uh, you think of how many people are Rangers fans, but you know it's uh, it's interesting that we've seen so few people come up. You know 
like we've been hearing all these great stories about, you know, the Austin Matthews of the world and, you know, Arizona and all the, the famous young guys out of, uh, you know, the St. Louis program that they had there. And uh, it's weird that there's been kind of a hiccup in, you know, specifically around the city and hockey talent. Um, but that's what makes these programs so, so great because you get to expose the game, you know, to, to players and, you know, kids. And the problem with hockey so often is that it's, it's a very tough sport to get into just in terms of being, you know, there's an income gap for, you know, with hockey, as I'm sure, you know, Colton knows, and especially with, you know, teaching, getting his daughter on the ice and everything, getting pads and stuff for your kids is not easy, especially when they're growing. Yeah. It's, it's like crazy expensive. And uh, like I, you know, I, I was smart. I, from my hockey rep, I made sure, uh, I think my daughter was like one at the time. I'm like, I'm going to need skates from, uh, you know, sizes, kids five and up. So like, just give me a bunch. And I, I got like three or four pairs. Cause I know they're going to grow. Uh, like, uh, you know, so genius. just knowing that how expensive it is. And, uh, it, 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 and that's the thing. That's what some of these programs do is they try and make it affordable. Uh, that's what, that's what you need to do is try and just give them an opportunity to be able to try it to see if they like it. Um, is very important, you know, because if they can't get out there and get the equipment and can't try it, then they'll, they'll never know that, you know, they can play hockey or they, they like it. According to uh, Wikipedia, which I am using as a, uh, a as a Bible resource on this, I don't know why my wife isn't picking up the phone, but that's what you hear in the background. Uh, Fatio is the first New York City-born New York Ranger, so that is the answer to your question. And I only know that because of my father, so... Um, and I feel like he was at an right. event recently that they had for like season ticket holders. And he, he announced that to the group. So, um, and another enforcer. So there you go. Um, there we have it. Transferring sort of over to the, uh, I guess the current New York Rangers, you've obviously had an eye on them with the SNY stuff. I know you're, you might be doing some stuff with the Islanders and the, uh, and the, the devils as well, but what are some of your thoughts on you? You mentioned Shattenkirk, obviously an enormous signing for the Rangers and, um, the core is a little bit different from, uh, from I guess, the glory days, if you will, or, or the, that little golden era that the New York Rangers had. And um, from a hockey mind, what do you think about some of the changes the Rangers have made to this point? Well, you know, like you said, the core has changed. The change has been, you know, slowly happening, I feel. Like every year it's, you know, one guy gone and, and they bring someone else. Uh, I definitely think, like you said, everyone's talking about Shattenkirk being a great addition. He's going to add so much and – for what they got him for, like we just talked about, it's a hometown dis- discount for him to come here and, and, and play where I felt he could have got a lot more somewhere else. Um, I think they're going to be like they are. They'll always be super competitive. They got that this fast transition, really quick team, and they're, they're really fun to watch. I, I do think they're like lacking a little bit of, you know, size and grit that, uh, you know, you look at some of these teams like Pittsburgh that went out and got Reeves and, you know, there's still a little bit of that aspect around the league. Uh, I think that they might kind of run up against uh, the season, but I I think they can, they they find ways to get around that and they just, they just use their, their speed. Uh, They're just, they're so fast and uh, they're definitely a team that's going to be tough to beat this year, I think. So actually I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because that's something that, um, has I would I don't want to say divided the fan base, but it's definitely been one of the big talking points. Has been, you know, the grit level, energy spark type players, and what they bring to the table versus, you know, 
maybe going in a more skilled direction. And I would say myself, Mike, most, most of the people who write for the web, our website happen to be in the camp that skill kind of trumps that, that toughness edge, especially these days. And I think we've kind of gone over the fact that back when the Rangers won the cup in 94, or even in the early 2000s, that certainly wasn't the case. There was definitely an element of needed toughness to succeed, but with the way that the game has changed, do you still feel like that's a critical role, uh, not necessarily in the NHL locker room, but to a team's success? Or are you kind of seeing the game maybe move away from those types of players and more toward the skill level of things? Well, the days of, you know, your, your enforcer go out there, play three minutes and, and fight and try and intimidate that way. You know, you're not going to see that anymore. I think that's been uh, obvious by a lot of the guys who aren't in the league anymore and, uh, with that changeover, it, it definitely you can see the speed, you can see the skill level. You look at how these kids are are developing at such a younger age. When they get to the NHL, they're ready. Like they're, you know, they they already know what to do for fitness and, and diet. And so the, it's definitely gotten younger as well. Just because these guys prepare so well now, uh, and they just they kind of know what it takes to when they get there and what it's gonna you know what it's gonna be like at that level. Um, but I definitely think, like, I, I know you, you you still need some toughness to a team. Uh, you're you're going to need players to kind of – you look at, like, a guy, they still want that. If you, when I had Phil Kessel in Toronto, he wanted a guy like me at the end of the bench, just knowing that, okay, it makes his life a little easier, that he's not going to have to put up with something. So uh, the players, I, I definitely still see a, a, a place for that. And just that little bit of intimidation, knowing that, you know, they're not going to get messed with. Uh, but you, you want a guy that can play. You're going to want guys that, that can play 10, 12 minutes. I think it's going to be a, a different type of player, like, say, Matt Martin in Toronto, who, you know, he, he can, he'll contribute, he'll score some goals, um, but he can skate and, and play more than, you know, maybe some of the typical enforcers before. Um, but I, I just I think there's still value in it in today's game. So, it's interesting because the Rangers recently invited uh, Bobby Farnham uh, on a PTO and Farnham is kind of like that straight line kind of player. You know, he, he doesn't take any shifts off. He finishes every check he takes. And it's interesting looking at the Rangers roster for next season, that lack of size, you know, that you mentioned is there. This is not a very big or physical team. And I think that is, is there a point you think in training camp where, you know, you look around and you say, Oh, we might not have enough of this element. Is that something the Rangers might have to worry about this training camp? I don't think it's something you're going to see in training camp. Uh, it'll be something throughout the season um, and seeing, you know, how they're doing. If it is causing them problems, if it is an issue, uh, if they're getting pushed around a little bit or like you look at last year, when they inserted glass to the lineup because they felt like they were getting pushed around a little bit. Uh, it'll be that type of thing. It'll just see how it goes and if they're going to need to bring in a player like that. Uh, um, I think they can use their speed to beat teams. I think they're – and, you know, the way, they, the way they're built, they can still play uh, – you know, you look at Zook and the way he plays. He plays such a hard game. Um, and he could be an agitator. They can they can keep the team in the penalty box all game if they just play that kind of fast, uh, agitating game and just to frustrate teams uh, that, that can't keep up with them. So 
you know, you, you can look at it. You can go after different angles um, instead of just going out there and, and bringing someone tough for the sake of bringing in someone tough. I think they're going to play to their strengths and see how other teams uh, can handle it. And that, that's a really, I think one of the, the points that you brought up, which is just that, you know, you're not getting that five minute a night. He's going to go out and punch a couple of faces and then walk away type of guy. We've, like I said, we're on the, the ideology that skill trumps toughness, but that doesn't necessarily mean that trumpness or toughness is obsolete. But you look at a guy like maybe Lucic, as I would consider a really good example of a tough guy who can also play hockey. And you said it, you have to be able to play the game at least in my opinion, and you obviously can speak for it, is way faster than it was five years ago, way faster than it was 10 years ago. And you're seeing a lot more of this, Not, I don't want to say a European invasion because there's obviously, but I think the way that Europe is kind of entering the game, the Yarmir Yagers of the world who would just dangle the puck and play with the puck in East-West, they would move around, Nylander, Straka, those Rangers teams um, right after the lockout that were really – it was more about moving the puck back and forth, taking your time, getting into the zone, controlling the puck. These days, it's a lot more north-south speed. And you, like Colton said, the kids are coming out of the WHL. They're coming out of the OHL. They're, they're coming out of juniors ready to play that kind of hockey. And it's all different. They have dietitians. They know what they should be doing for their workout regimen. These guys are probably working out 360 days a year. There's, there's definitely um, maybe a little bit of a difference these days than there was uh, even like I said, five or 10 years ago, the game is moving in a direction, but I, I think that's everything you said is kind of the, where I think there's a, a sticking point because a lot of people look at it in black and white terms. If you don't want a guy like say Tanner glass, you don't want toughness on a team, but that's not necessarily where you stand or at least where we stand. I think you do want a little bit of that toughness. Sometimes I think Zuccarello is the best enforcer of the rings have had. And probably since you were around with the way that he plays, <laughs> he'll drop the gloves and he doesn't care, but you, you need that element of can play too, because teams are just too fast. And actually, so you mentioned that I'm curious, we thought that Ottawa in the playoffs this year tried to out, you know, muscle the Rangers. They played a really big bottom six that was slow. And we thought it was one of the things that backfired on them. Is that something that you would agree with? Or did you see something different? Uh, um, no, I, I thought I thought that was more uh, Montreal too tried to do that because you look at some of the moves they made, uh, the way they brought in some of the players, um, and then Steve yeah, Ott. Ottawa. They, yeah, it, well, Ottawa, that, yeah, I thought Montreal sank their own ship with the way that they tried to put together that bottom six, like King and uh, was Ott exactly. part of that? He was, wasn't it? Yeah, Ott King, uh, and you can tell that they could they couldn't keep they can't keep up to the, the Rangers' speed. Um, Ottawa, I think it was just uh, for me what what I saw was just being able to contain uh, Carlson. He, he he's a he's a game changer that player, and uh, the, at the first it was the Rangers having trouble shutting him down, and once they were able to kind of get him under control, it was a different series. It, I think he was even ended up being a little bit hurt or something too as well. He had like a broken foot, didn't he? And he was still that good. I think he's he playing like thirty minutes a night. Yeah, yeah, he's still playing. And I think, well, that was definitely something you could see. He slowed down a little bit. He was still though. He, he was, uh, you know, he's he's a game changer. He's one of the best defense in the league, I would say, right now. Um, not so in sort of that enforcer kind of role. We we were talking about you know, some of the topics and uh, concussions are a really big part of the discussion right now. Although 
I would say the, the concussion issue was a little bit more focused around maybe shots to the head rather than actual fighting. But as someone who kind of came up through juniors and came up through the NHL as an enforcer, a guy who was willing to get off the bench and drop the gloves, um, is that something that you think the, the NHL is, is doing a good job moving towards in terms of head safety and, and concussion protocol? Or is that something you think they maybe need a little bit more work with? Well, you're, you're, I don't want to get too much into what the, what the league's doing. I'm not, you know, it, it's, it's tough to say because what's going to go on with, with concussions. It, it's been an issue for a while now, and it's an issue in, in a lot of sports. And you're going to have to find, I think, ways to protect your players and ways to take care of your players uh, because it's going to continue to be an issue um, if you if you don't find ways. But you're, you are playing a contact sport, so – you also have to be uh, prepared to get hit. Like you, you're signing up to play a game where you're, you're on skates and you're able to skate 100 mile an hour and, and get hit. So I think it's also just making sure that they're taking care of players when they do get hurt properly is kind of what they have to take a look at. Yeah, which is where I think a lot of teams are making some really big strides, and especially the fact that an official can witness a hit happen or, or a player who's maybe not feeling well or they realize something's wrong and make them go to the room to get tested. I think we saw that with Andy Ronta at, at one point this year. So, yeah, and, and yeah. Henrik Lundqvist too, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So there are, there are definitely motives. And I think the NHL has at least taken a little bit more of a proactive response. Now, I, I, obviously there are people who disagree with that. And I mean, everybody can do more and football seems to be in the spotlight really for this, this issue. But um, yeah, definitely curious um, about that. Now I have a curiosity question. So you've played it. You've, played the majority of your career for Toronto. You played in Toronto and you played in New York. Those are looked at as, yep. say, two of the, the big three, you know, Montreal, Toronto, New York. Is New York as hockey crazed as Toronto is? Is the, is it a, does New York have that kind of Canada feel in, in terms of what you saw in Toronto or are there subtle differences to it? There's, there's subtle differences for sure. Um, when you look at New York, uh, the hockey fans are – amazing hockey fans when you go to msg there there's nothing better um than being at the garden and just having you know the, the noise and being in a building the history and everything you, you can't beat that it, it, it's in that way you know it's it's one of the best um but you also have you know we're probably not the biggest draw for sports in new york you having you know, you got up to football and you have baseball, you know, the Yankees and Mets and, and all these other teams. So outside of, say, the hockey community, it's it's not as big as when you go to Toronto, hockey, you know, uh, hockey is everything. Hockey are there, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are their Yankees. It's it's bigger than, than anything there. So you're, you're on a broader scale, yeah. Um, it's it's bigger in that way, I think, is, is what the difference would be. So I have I've been waiting to ask when we heard we might get you on the show. I immediately thought of this. It's just the sort of dumb question that I think a lot of fans would want to know. And I'm a dumb <laughs> fan, so I figured I might as well ask it. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite random just hockey clips I've seen. I think it was George, George, no, I think it was George the rock. And it's a fight that starts with like, do you want to go? Yeah, let's go. And then it's like, good luck, buddy. And then, you know, the movie goon. Yeah. Yeah. I think the movie, the movie goon did a parody parody of it. And so 
my question to you is, you know, you obviously played nearly 500 games in the, in the NHL. Was there a particular weird start to a fight or like a particularly like gentlemanly agreement to a fight that you had during your career? One of the, the weirder ones I think for sure would be um, when I fought Brian McGratton. Uh, I was in Toronto. He was with Calgary, and we had a mutual friend. And he was actually the, the trainer, uh, and he played her at the time. Uh, and he was texting him, texting the trainer, going, I got a new move for your boy there, and was, you know, talking about me. <laughs> and so he was telling me before the game, like, you know, texting, you know, plates that he's gonna he's got a new move so i'm obviously going okay i think we're gonna fight tonight and and, you know so we kind of said hey what's up and warm-ups and first shift and there we go we're we're in a a scrap and and so to think that we're you know it's almost through text message that we're planning fights is uh you have to be one of the uh, weirder ones for sure for me and we're the new friends now me and me me and mcgratton (laughs) are uh we're you know, we we talk uh, all the time now. I think uh, a lot of us do. It's you know, we have all our style that respect for we both we all did that that job, and um, you know how hard it was. So I, you know, McGratton and and Peros and all these guys that we I've fought uh, a bunch of times were were good friends. Uh, um, you know, I was at a golf tournament with uh, Karens and Bolton and Ashram and all these guys from from the Islanders and I fought them all at least two or three times and we're all can you know sit there and go have a good day of golf and, and not think anything of it which is which is pretty pretty neat to think of um, you know you, you think you want to kill each other but you know it's, it was a game is what we did is our job and uh, we kind of all left that on the ice. Well, I gotta ask, was the move that he learned any good? No, I don't think so. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I don't think I don't think he got to put it into play. Uh, um, I, actually, I should ask him that again. What that what the move was, but uh, yeah, he didn't. didn't I'm just saying, uh, if you don't know what the move was, it wasn't good. You'd yeah. remember if it, it was couldn't have been it terribly it good. It, no. didn't pan, it, it didn't pan out. No. So, um, I mean, um, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned a lot of those guys. You know, Asham. You know, for instance, was a guy who really it was peculiar with him because he bounced around the division. Uh, you know, obviously he had a stint with the Rangers, but. It's it's a weird thing that I think not a lot of fans realize the the kind of the human side of being traded or your contracts up and you have to sign elsewhere. Can you talk about what it was like for you to, you know, get the feeling that, you know, your time in New York was done when, you know, the contract with Toronto was there and moving from New York to Toronto? Yeah, that was definitely, uh, I, you know, I wasn't, didn't think maybe I was moving on. Uh, you know, I met my wife in New York back in, um, um, 08 and we are, yeah, 08. And we ended up uh, buying a house together, getting married and then all that. And, and by that summer we were, uh, you know, going to Toronto. So it was, it happened so quickly. And so now you're going, man, we got this house that we just bought and now we got to pack up and, you know, go live in uh, Toronto for four years when you're thinking, okay, you know, I might be here for a, for a long time. Um, so that was definitely something that you, you know, you, you don't really plan for. And it's, uh, you can never really prepare for it. Cause you never know, like at least lucky for me, I had time to for the rest of summer kind of get ready to go and make sure I had a place when I got to Toronto, when you get traded, 
you can you got to be gone the next day uh you got to be to wherever you got to go so it's that's definitely a lot harder i'd say than uh uh you know get free agency you know because you actually get some time to prepare but it still can be a shock when you you know i was in new york for almost five years or four four and a half years and so you 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 don't expect to go but you know it's part of the game it's a business and um yes it, it can be it can be tough for sure so I'm going to uh, – you can either give your favorite Ranger moment or you, you can give, I guess, an NHL moment. But what was your – what's you had almost 10 years or a little over 10 years in the NHL. What was your favorite moment? Um, I got a couple. I'll give you a couple because it's hard. I'll take as many as you want to uh, give. Uh, <laughs> um, so one, one with the, the Rangers would be uh, – I was, it was in Tampa – and I, I break my stick, and so I'm going. I go on the bench to get a stick, and and Brendan Shanahan's on the bench, and he's right-handed, so I, I go to take a stick, and he, he wouldn't really give it to me. He wasn't really letting go of it, so I really had to like yank it out of his hand. And I ended up going down and uh, making kind of a move. And I always tell people it was, you know, I I, I fired it top shelf and and scored. I I think I actually kind of plubbed on it, and there was a change up and went in. But in the tail, I did score with Shanahan's stick, and I was I was going by the bench celebrating, and I was pointing at the stick, going, "It's the stick, it's the stick." And so it was, <laughs> you know, it was just pretty funny. I'm scoring with Ch- uh, Shanahan's stick, and I'm pretty sure he didn't let me. He just, you know, I'm like, I got to keep this one because you know, I'm able to score a few more with it. So, so that was that was one of my favorite memories uh, in in with being with New York. Um, another one was when I was Toronto was my 300th NHL game uh, and it was in Jersey. Uh, we're playing against the Devils. My, my, my wife and her family all came down um, and I, I you know, it's kind of it was, you know, I felt good that game. It was like flying around. Like, man, I never expected to play 300 NHL games. Um, you know, let alone one. So, you know, I was, I was pumped just to kind of be out there. And sure enough, I get a breakaway on Martin Bordeaux. Um, and I'm, I'm flying down going, okay, well, am I going to deke this guy? I don't know what to do. So I, I just, I shoot, uh, low blocker score, um, you know, I'm scoring on a hall of famer. So that was pretty, pretty good moment in my career. to my 300, that was 300 NHL game to, you know, score on a hall of famers, uh, definitely one of the better memories I have in my career. Yeah, and that's another thing that I, I think a lot of people maybe don't think about is you. I guess when you think about the game itself, obviously the big name players jump out at you, right? The Lundqvists of the world, the Ovechkins of the world, and Crosby and whatnot. But there are a lot of guys, and, and you're one of them who kind of came up through the ranks. You came up through the WHL. You you made it to the NHL, and you know you had a couple of stints. I didn't even realize you were you were with Boston before you you came to the Rangers, and. Um, it's got to be an awesome feeling just to just kind of look around and be like, wow. And you hear guys say, you know, never take it for granted because you really don't know. But, um, you know, it's really it's got to be a really good feeling to kind of stick around. And that's that you had your three score on your 300th game. There it is. Um, now, I'm, I'm yeah, curious, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to go to another topic, but if you have a, a actual logical point about being, being an NHL player that I would know nothing about, I'll take it. Um, I, now I forget. I don't know where we're going to go with that, but yeah, you know, go to the next topic. What are you saying? I ruined, I ruined the podcast. Mike usually ruins the podcast. <laughs> you always do. You always I do. always do. Something has to happen. Um, some uh, of the greatest 
questions, like some, just some of the best answers that we get or that you hear about pranks? What was the best prank? You don't necessarily have to be a part of it, but that you saw in your time in the NHL. Oh, I guess. Okay. So, um, this is going to be uh, a good one. Actually. So I hear this is okay. So, uh, rooming with Sean Avery is my roommate and, um, I think we're taking, uh, I took like, a. Uh, was it after? No, we were sleeping. It was during the night. And I guess he, he was up a little later or he couldn't sleep or something because he decided to get all dressed and uh, turn all the lights on and start just panicking. Just go, we're late, we're late, we're going to be late. We're like, you know, he just starts screaming, say, we've got to go, we've got to get up. And he gets me out of bed. I guess he changed the clocks and everything and, uh, you know, I'm running to get ready and get everything on. I'm like, what? How do, I, how do we sleep in? Like, what happened to our alarm? Uh, I guess already, and it's like like three in the morning. It was just just messing around with me. Just uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I guess that was, but yeah. So that was probably one of the better ones uh, that that I've that, that had done to me at least. I uh, I feel oh, like, geez. and I don't know the answer to this question. I feel like Zuccarello is the big prankster with the Rangers right now. I would, I would love for like five minutes of his, just his pranking stories. We got a little bit of it in the 24 seven series. We got to see, um, Marion Gabrick was kind of, he was kind of zany. You got this inside look at the Rangers, but, um, I don't, yeah. for whatever reason, I don't know that you would actually, cause you played with him. You would know was Yager kind of a guy who, uh, who would kind of do stuff like that. Um, he was funny. He was funny in a different way. He wasn't really a prankster. He just kind of had his, his dry humor. He, um, he wasn't more like, no, I don't remember him doing too many pranks. I do have some now. It's like, I'm starting to think now. He got me thinking about pranks now. Um, the other, another good one, uh, I think we did, to, uh, was it maybe Cadre in Toronto. Was you, 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 you sold a cell phone in the pocket. Um, and then you try and get the trainers to call it when we're in like a meeting or something, have the ringer on loud. That's another another good one that uh, the guys would use. I I can't believe I've never thought of that. That's amazing. Just reaching into his pocket yeah. to try to get into the phone, just going crazy. Yeah, can't get it. Yeah, it's, it's, I would sew my finger together, but I would I would try yeah. it outside of the selling yeah, yeah, factor. Yeah, We'd had the professional sew everything up, so yeah. it was, uh, you know, it was all, you know, <laughs> and I would trust those guys. Yeah, the doctors yeah, who are working yeah, with the stitches, yeah, not, they can, they can sew a pocket. Sewing myself, no. So, uh, yeah, they could definitely, definitely sew a pocket. Um, so, who do you, who would you consider to be the uh, the toughest guy in the NHL right now, or maybe even like the toughest guy that you played against? In the NHL, uh, you look at, at Reeves right now. Um, you know, he's with Pittsburgh. He, he has a reputation. He, he's kind of been through the, the whole change now um, and, and the way the NHL's gone. And he plays a pretty good shift. Plays, um, but he's, 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 he's one of the tougher guys that are, are left for sure. Uh, he's kind of a guy I don't think uh, too many would mess with. And like you said, you got Lushik. Uh, he's tough. Uh, I fought him, and uh, he, he's 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 a really good player. But if you get on his bad side, he's he's a guy that can, that can that can hurt you. Yeah, and that's, and I I'm a I don't know how to say this. I'm a big supporter of fighting. I guess I'm not totally for the uh, I guess the like 
staged fights, like the Rock ish fight. But one of my like one of my favorite memories of going to a Ranger game was when Shanahan fought Brashear at center ice when Brashear was just running amok. That might have been the game that he injured Blair Betts. I don't remember. Um, and no, Shanahan it was, that was, was a like, different game. I remember that different game. game as well. Yeah, it was a different um, game. I, I got. Uh, Five game suspension for cross checking uh, Ovechkin in the uh, in the face for that one. Uh, was, <laughs> I don't even was, remember that. <laughs> was part of that one there too. I, I think I took out a couple of his uh, front teeth, but that was part of that game uh, where because it was just that game was just getting out of hand, and uh, uh, Shanahan stepped up and and took on Brashear. And when when I for me. Um, seeing him do that as a young, uh, you know, I was still young then, and and Brendan Shanahan went on fighting Donald Brashear. Uh, you just respect you get for a guy like that, and you can see what it does for like a locker room and a team when a guy will step up and, and take on uh, a, guy, a guy that tough. Um, and, and those those that's the kind of player you want in your dressing room is someone that could kind of you know will stand up no matter uh, who it is. So actually, something you just said to me, or said with you know with uh, Milan Lucic, with you know you can watch that guy on TV now and say to yourself, yeah, I, I was in a fist fight with that man. And there's really not that many people that you encounter in everyday life who you know have that kind of reality and have that that life experience. Does that ever like cross your mind? Is you know what a what a crazy and, and intense way, you know, that you, you know, you, you worked your way into the league, you know, the, the hard way get, getting into the NHL. Cause uh, there's, I don't think even people who, you know, criticize fighting or don't think it belongs in the game and things like that. No one is under the illusion that it's an easy way to make an NHL roster. I mean, there's, it's just brutal, but it, does it ever cross your mind? Like, yeah, you know, I fought that guy that's on TV and, you know, how that's something that the vast majority of people don't have to think about. It was more of a uh, thing when I like played, uh, when you're sitting there going um, the night before I have to go out and, and fight Donald Brashear, um tomorrow. Yeah, or, I can't imagine. That, that's when you're, that's when you're thinking about it. Going. <laughs> that, that's when, that's the hard way. That's, that's, you know, yeah. that's when it's real. That's when, uh, you know, you you knew how hard it was, and you knew um, what you were doing is a hard job. But uh, it, like you said, it, I it got me there. It, this is what I did. I took pride in my job uh, as an enforcer, and, and you know, I, I don't like to call myself that, but I do. I I, I guess it's my handle for my Twitter now. So I, I have to. I I liked it. I I liked what I did. I I, I took pride in, in going out and making sure that the skilled players on my team or the whole team uh, were, were more, more comfortable and I could take the pressure off them and not having to worry about, um, you know, some of the guys going after them because I would try and, and make sure that uh, no one would, would, would touch them. It's just like, I like doing that for, for Yager and Shanahan and Drury and Gomez. You know, I can go on and on the players that I, I you know, that I played with that, you know, they all respected what I did and, and they made sure that they, they let me know. So, I think when you have that respect from other players, that's that's where you appreciate it. That's where you know that you're you're doing your job and that it is worth your while. So, you let me get away with one dumb fan question earlier, so I'm going to take liberties and ask another one. 
Um, I think some of the most amazing things we get to see as fans is, you know, just kind of the chatter between benches and often like there's no better character, like in terms of characters, a lot of the tough guys in the league are the best characters. Um, You mentioned Avery, obviously, you know, he was beloved by Ranger fans for, you know, not only how he played, but how often he was able to talk and really never stop talking. But was that something like, you know, that, Often, like, do you feel like that's part of the role is that that guy who's there to be this kind of, you know, it's not just everyone's com- more comfortable on the bench with you there, but you're this kind of energy, you know what I mean? And it's, I think when we hear the term like, oh, he's an energy line player or, you know, he'll change the momentum, we don't appreciate what that means. Um, but is that, was that something you did in your career? Is like, were you a talker? Did you talk to the other bench and especially, you know, I can't imagine what goes through your head knowing you might have to fight LaRock the next night, but I don't know if you can talk to that at all. I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the biggest talker. I I didn't go around, uh, you know, chirping everyone and trying to come up with the best line or make fun of somebody. That wasn't my style. I I like to uh, just kind of use my toughness as, as, you know, you know, I didn't need to speak or, you know, do anything too crazy, but I, I, also used to play a very aggressive game as well. Like, you know, I wasn't just going out there and fighting all the time. Like uh, people, yeah. when I was played under Tom Rennie in New York, I think I had some of my, my, my best years here was when, you know, he played me against lines like Crosby um, with Pittsburgh and he would, that yeah, would make like Goddard uh, come fight me because I would be, you know, going after their star. I'd be agitating him, getting him off his game. Um, you know, I was, I was, I would be running around hitting a lot, you know, that's, that's kind of when I think it was the best when you would have the fights come to you when you're making people fight you. Um, so I, I used to just use my, my, my hitting and my physicality as, uh, you know, to get things started instead of, uh, you know, my words and just, you know, running my mouth. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I often, sometimes I just, I can imagine you sitting on the bench and just like listening to Avery say something, you're just like, oh my god, he's gonna, I'm gonna have to fight today because he just he just run his mouth. <laughs> I, I liked I liked having a guy like that. You know, I played with Hallwig, uh, and he was one of my favorite players to play with uh, because he he went around around like crazy, and I knew he was gonna create energy and and make me more excited and make me have to you know make sure I was ready because he's gonna go hammer Chris Simon on the island. And, and something's going to happen. And that was, that was fun. That, to me, that was exciting when, when you're just, you got that energy and, and the team would really feed off stuff like that. When you, you see a line like me and Hallwig and, and Betsy going out there and just causing so much havoc as we did, um, that does create that energy. That, that, yeah. that, that, does, that does do something for a team. Um, you know, there's all these stats about momentum and, and did that really do anything? And, you know, I'm not, um, I don't know. Uh, I can tell you when you got um, me and Hallwig running down on you every game, or me and McLaren uh, looking. You got defense uh, looking over their shoulder. That that that's that's creating room. That's creating you know that's you know just wearing the the defenseman down. You know they're looking over their shoulder. It's it, it does still have, like you know we talk about it, it has a role in the game. It's still it's just going to be done differently, and uh, you know it's it's still going to be a factor coming up in the season to come. Are you, um, 
Are you a believer in advanced statistics? Is that something you, you put weight in? I, I, I do think they're helpful. I think statistics can give you, uh, you know, something to kind of put on paper and look at and give you an idea, um, you know, how you're playing or, or what, what, what's going on with the team. I, but I also believe in uh, just that hockey is such a quick game and, and there's so much uh, room for just, you know, like it's not always just like a pitcher versus the batter. It's, it is so much more um, – dynamic to hockey that you can't just be measured and say just a single stat sometimes or single you know uh, analytic that uh, that's out there yeah and that's a big there's too, part too of... many variables sometimes i think is is you know like i think they're helpful but there's a lot of variables that um that you can't always account for that is you literally explained it, really the take that i have I, I know mike agrees with me just that there, it, it's not like baseball. Baseball, I sometimes feel like, is just a, a math equation. I'm not a big baseball fan, for the record. So if you take umbrage with that, yeah. I don't blame you. Um, there, but I, I'd like no. And a lot of people use if you use advanced statistics wrong, it, it's if you're only focusing on one stat, or whether it's Corsi or you know shooting percentage or whatever it may be, whatever you're doing, it's not. I, I think you need mm-hmm. to use advanced statistics to kind of color in the picture a little bit, but. Like you said, there's so many different variables on the ice that there does need to be a blend. And um, we yeah, are nothing... seeing some teams. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, but I think what's so important about it is no sing- we can't boil a player or a performance down to one number. You know, this isn't, you know, EA Sports where we can just say, oh, yeah, this guy's an 83. You know, you need context mm-hmm. for everything. And co- context means seeing the games. Context means understanding s- situations. You know, we can't just understand, oh, this guy's possession numbers are bad. Well, you know, he was playing on Colorado. In Colorado, everyone had bad possession numbers. And, you know, oh, then we have relative numbers. And it's like, yeah, but we still need more context. There's a lot more to it than just the number. Yeah, you have to to blend it with actually watching. Yeah. It's not... Exactly. Like, the eye test, the eye test, you know, like, you look at... uh, uh, like what, what a GM does, he's going to take in some of those numbers, and he's also going to know what the player's all about as well. Like he's not just going to, you know, I think just use stats. Like when you see a trade come in, and well, you you know, if they trade for a guy, they everyone be like, oh, his possession numbers are low, and I'm I'm pretty sure there's a lot more to it than just that. You know, he, he has more to offer than you know, maybe just his possession isn't the best. There's, there's so much more to it than just just like a single stat that people look at. Yeah, do you uh, do you see yourself going and trying to get into the front office at all? Uh, I'm just taking things, uh, you know, like I said, year by year. I'm just kind of enjoying what I'm doing now. I'm enjoying the broadcasting. Uh, I would, I definitely enjoy developing and working with players. So I, I do, you know, see myself in some way continuing to work on that as well. Like I said, I'm doing the youth coaching uh, right now. So that's, a, that's fun for me it's to be a part of and kind of work with kids. So, you know, I'm just going to kind of enjoy the season, all, all the stuff I got going on and, and just kind of see where it leads me from there. Yeah. And you're going to get a good, kind of a good view. Um, you're going to get a good view of it from the, uh, the broadcasting side. Mike, I know we, uh, we're, I, we, I meant to talk about it first, but then, we obviously got caught up in the, in the, some of the hockey stuff, but go ahead, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you specifically about, uh, you know, you're marching in the pride parade and, uh, 
really how that came about. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's so important, I think for, you know, hockey fans of all ages to see, you know, players, guys, they watch on TV, players, they idolize, um, especially, you know, I think some people might not expect it of, you know, a guy who, frankly, as tough as you are, uh, with that message of like inclusivity and, you know, that this is something that's important and that it matters, you know, that everyone who can play can play. Um, can you kind of talk about how that came about and what it meant to you, that experience? Yeah. So the, the, you can play, um, was, uh, so, well, the alumni, the Ranger alumni came up to me and asked me if, you know, if I'd be wanting to do that. And they said it was for the, you can play. And, uh, for the, you can play, it was the founders were, uh, Patrick Burke and Brian Burke and, uh, Berkey, uh, Brian is, you know, part of my career and he, he brought me into Toronto. Um, and I have so much respect, uh, for him. And, uh, you know, I just, when, when I heard that, you know, it'd be, you know, that's part of it. I was just, you know, I really wanted to make sure that I, I was available to do it. And, uh, you know, something I, I wanted to do and kind of send that message that it, it doesn't matter your, you know, sexual preference or your, your gender identity, you know, it's just like, it's, if you can play hockey, um, like you're, you're accepted in, in the league and you can see throughout the league, how much they're trying to do. And then you look at other teams, you had Hopley in Washington, you had Carcillo, Chicago, and you can see yeah. more. They're definitely getting getting out. It, it, there's starting to be a lot more uh, participation and involvement throughout the league, and I think it's very important for people um, to see. Uh, I think when I was getting messages from people, just you know, tell me how much that meant to, to, to see me out there, um, you know, joining the parade. I think that it was touching. It was you know, it was you can you can see you're changing people's day, their views, and it, trying to bring everyone you know bring them together. It's, it's still a long way to go um, in, in trying to do that, and but I think they're they're in the right direction. And it definitely is. I think that parade in New York was uh, being a part that was really special, and just I met so many people um, there. Not only just you know they weren't even hockey fans, just people. Uh, just 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 good people. It was just it's just a fun fun to be a part of. Yeah, and honestly, thank thank you for doing that because it. it I think it goes a really long way, and a lot of NHL teams are kind of going down that road, and Holpe is somebody who just immediately comes to mind about being very active in, with the You Can Play community, and um, actually another guy, Sean Avery, I remember, maybe even before You Can Play, I don't know, he uh, he was talking about how if any player you know wants to come out to their team, he would be willing to go with them and stand in the locker room, and maybe it would make it a little bit easier if he was there backing them up, and it's just, it's such an important thing because you look at how tight-knit of a community hockey is. You look at how tight-knit of a community really any professional sport is. And it probably means so much for someone to see you out there, somebody who played in the NHL who um, is supporting them without even knowing them. It really does go a very long way. And we were really, really happy to see the Rangers have a representative and, and you can play and the Rangers being involved in it. And obviously the NWHL is and the Riveters. Everybody's kind of, getting involved and it's 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 awesome to see it really is and it's it's really cool yeah, to, yeah, uh, go ahead yeah you've seen it through a lot of leagues um you know you've got um the, what's this mls uh everyone everyone's getting involved and I, I think that's what you need you need every league and every team to 
to get involved. And I think that's what you're seeing um, now. And it's, it's just, it, it makes a, a huge difference when you, when you get to um, see people participating like that. And it, it was an honor for me to, to be out there and be a part of that and representing the, the Rangers on that day. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was great uh, to I'm going to put you on the spot man. here. What is your prediction for the Rangers this season? Oh, oh boy, prediction. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if we're making any predictions yet. <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, no, I'm not going to give that to you. I, no. Uh, no, what do you? Yeah, it's it's too tough. I'm a, I'm a too tough, too soon. guy. Yeah, it, it's so hard with the Rangers. It's they've been good for so long. Uh, you just you keep thinking that their time is now. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, Lundqvist is getting older and, you know, like you look at their, their lineup and uh, the changes they've made, like they're, they're found ways to bring in youth uh, that can help them uh, and some players that are starting to step up. So I, they, they're, can, they're, I think they're obviously going to be contenders again this season. I, I think it's, you know, cause that, 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 that window is running out here quickly. So. Yeah, it's the one quiz. One quiz. I apologize. I, we, if you if it makes you feel any better, we are a notorious podcast of asking each other questions like that, and none of us ever take stands. So you're fitting right in. Um, you mentioned Lundqvist. I meant to ask you too. Have we hear a lot about his drive to win, his motivation, and just how fierce of a competitor he is? Is it is he as advertised, or is it a little bit blown up? No, he he. He is that driven to win. He, uh, he he's always wanted to win. When I've played with him, uh, and he just he's, he's a competitor. Um, when in practice, it was he's always working on something. He he was always trying to get better. He's always uh, out there. He's you know just trying to just to win. He wanted to win. Like I used to like even to, like shoot pucks on him from the corner. He get mad at me. He just does not want pucks to go in at all. It's just the way, you know, that's how competitive he was. You can just, and you can see it, you can see it in him. Uh, He's a leader too. Uh, I think that's what a lot of people, you know, don't really know because goalies aren't usually the most vocal around. They're kind of in their own uh, kind of world because, you know, they have to be very focused on just stopping a puck. But he's very, very vocal and a big leader and big say in that dressing room, which is, which is huge too, because it's not always the case with goalies and and he's pushing, he's pushing other players to get better and to, to win. I think that's, uh, you know, he's, he's one of the best out there. And I, I I hope for him that he he does get a a cup one day because he, he's deserved it over how much and how well he's played for these past, past years. Yes. We have been, uh, We've been praying to the hockey gods for that for quite a while, but I think you're right. It's every year it kind of feels like this is their year, but it, and it's, they reset, they basically hit the reset button this year. So it, it will be interesting to see um, what they do. Well, I, we don't want to keep you forever. So a couple of quick tags, go see the movie, go see goon. Oh, somebody wanted to know. And I think it's, were you surprised were the actors who were not hockey players, good hockey players in the movie? Were the, the act? No, the, there was, uh, I don't think uh, Sean William Scott could skate. Um, <laughs> and uh, Movie they, they magic. Were, yeah. So, I don't know, maybe I wasn't supposed to say that. But, um, 
<laughs> That's fine. It, it we'll, was, we don't have any editing ability, but we'll we'll try to we'll make sure people don't. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's all good. It, it was it, it's a it's tone, but no, it, it was it was fun. They they loved having us on set because it, it was uh, a movie about what we did, and, and they were they wanted to make sure that it was it was done right, and, and they did a great job uh, doing that. Is you know really trying to represent uh, you know what we're about and. So yeah, go see it. It's a fun movie. Um, we'll go see it. Or it's it's available uh, digital and DVD and everything tomorrow. So uh, yeah, make sure everyone checks it out. So. Yeah, go support Goon. Maybe there'll be a Goon three. Who knows? Um, and yeah, Fairfield, Fairfield Junior Rangers. And uh, again, thank you. I mean, good luck with all the SNY stuff. Uh, I'm sure you'll be fantastic if this is any indication and just some of the stuff you were doing last year. But uh, again, thank you for doing your work with the pride parade. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We would uh, keep you forever if we could, but you're on to bigger and better things. So uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on guys. It was was a lot of fun. So we'll we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Um, well, that was really, I don't know, do we have anything to add to any of that? He was fantastic, by the way. Just a really smart, well-spoken guy. Um, it, it's awesome to get, I think, a lot of the things that we've talked about on the show, a lot of the things that we talk about on the website in regards to the, the, the enforcer role and advanced statistics and whatnot, to have somebody who, who played that role give their opinions. Uh, I don't know. I, I uh, just from talking to him before the show, I knew he was smart, but it was just, that was really cool. Really, really cool. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like we could top what we've done to this point. Yeah. I don't really, it's, it's tough to like transition into, I know we were going to talk about uh, like Dennis Zarapov and some of the, the rumors surrounding the Rangers, but it's, it's kind of hard to transition away from that. That was such a fun and interesting interview. Or, I don't know about you, but Orr was one of those guys, you know, when the Rangers were getting out of those doldrum years after that lockout, uh, you know, and he was part of that line. Like, I couldn't help myself. Like, I said it out loud when that Orr bets Holwig line. I loved that line. <laughs> it was That line was so fun to watch, and... Blair Betts is one of those guys my brothers and I always joke about as like a, this like deeply underappreciated Ranger, you know, who just had the most unfortunate end to his time at the Rangers with that that hit with uh, Brashear. But Orr was another one of those guys where I don't and I didn't grow up like a, typically like attached to to tough guys, but Orr had a way where he became, you know, it's hard to think of in recent history, uh, you know, an enforcer who, who the fans embraced the way they em- embraced him. I mean, I can't think of one. Can you in recent history? No, probably not. I mean, the only guy who would even be close would be Avery. And I don't even know if Avery was not... as much respect as no. or was as much as it was just like, Oh my yeah, God, this he... guy's awesome. Yeah. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't even an enforcer. I mean, no, he I, was yeah, he a, wasn't just, you know, I, I a pest and all that, but but go know. see Goon. I mean, it's, because by by any indication that I enjoyed the original Goon, this looks this looks good. It looks really good. I love the first movie. Yeah, I'm really excited to see the was, second uh, one. I know um, that you said like Delzato's in it, Sagan's in it. Uh, I didn't really really, I didn't really trust was in it. I didn't even. I didn't, I didn't really trust was in it. But 
Yeah. Prust is going to uh, the Kings on a PTO. He played last season in Germany. Yeah, I saw. I actually did see that he was. Uh, and another former Ranger, Ryan Malone's on a PTO. Well, how many of these guys have gotten on before Yager is absolutely? I, I don't even. I can't even fathom. I don't. I don't get it. It is. It is one of those things. So I, I, a lot of. I've did I'm writing something about. Uh, PTOs, but like I've so I've done a lot of research, and it's it's really interesting to think about, you know, what the role of that is for teams, and we see it a lot with just like yeah, we need to fill out our training camp roster. You know, we need X amount of goalies, and uh, we'd like a guy in here who's been around for a while, and you know, we're maybe examining, you know, someone like Bobby Farnham is a guy the Rangers might be considering to fill a role, you know, in the AHL and, you know, teams utilize it for a lot of different reasons. It's pretty rare that we see guys hit, you know, go into PTOs and they get contracts, but it's also even more rare. I was looking at that, you know, cause it's, we're recording this on August 31st last summer, there was two free agent signings, unrestricted free agent signings in all of September and that was Kyle Quincy and Dennis Seidenberg. And there are still Vanek still out there. Yager obviously is still out there. Winnick, you know, Winnick is still out there. Cody Franzen's still out there. It's kind of crazy to think that there's still, you know, these are not guys who are going to like you know change the fate of a team. But these are you know these are NHL players. It's kind of crazy. I don't know. Winnick might. Winnick and Yager and. By all metrics, Yager's still a. Uh, Yager, Yager's still, the uh, fact that Yager isn't signed, it hurts. It hurts my brain, my heart, and my soul. It just Vegas. Feel what are right you doing, things. Vegas? I don't understand. Just he will literally be the face of your franchise. You know how many tickets and jerseys that will sell? An insane. I want a Yager Gold Knights jersey. I don't even like yeah. the Gold Knights jersey. There it is. Um, we're late to this, but the show is sponsored by Patreon. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. You can get more of that. More little Colton Orr, huh? That should be a reason to jump into Patreon. John J. Porter, Anthony Viola, Alexander Rickard, uh, Robert Courtney, Guy from Montana, Daniel DeGen, Eric Cohn, Matt Bader, George Littman, Bob Kawa, um, Andrew Grigo, Stink Fleeman, John Reppy, Arch Williams, Igor Zatlovsky, Dan Carosi, Alexander Thornton, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempner, and Michael Silvers have all donated to us. And now look at us. I don't know what that's supposed to we mean, are, but now look at It's weird us. to think that our, our podcast has producers. Do, do we have producers? Yeah, technically they're all kind of producers. That's interesting. In a weird way. Hmm. Um, that's true. Oh, I see what you're do you saying want, now. Do you want the Rangers to sign Z- or take a look at Zarapov? I do. I, I, more skill can't hurt. I, like I could care less about the whole steroid thing, and maybe that makes me a bad person. Uh, like people, are like, well, what about the role model? He, he's not playing with kids, and I but can't even, even. I don't even. I don't know what don't he even was suspended for. Sudafed? He was. Yeah, it, he tested positive for a diuretic and other masking agents, and I'm trying to remember what the first thing was, but. uh you know, it was one of those things where I, I'm sure every athlete who, you know, gets caught 
you know, in an anti-doping thing and, and they have, you know, some sort of doping, everyone's reaction is, I can't believe this. I don't know how this happens. But like when I was reading his comments, I was like taken aback. Like, yeah, he he really seems like, you know, this isn't what he's, you know, what he's about. It's also important to point out he's 36 years old. And this was, I think, you know, the first time he's got tagged for something like this. And, uh, and more importantly, you know, I know that he's not a name that a lot of Rangers fans know, but if you watch a little bit of film on him, and obviously there are concerns with, you know, the North American game and the ice surface and all that, but he is a very, very good playmaker. Uh, he's not a center. And I know that you were saying he's interesting because he would kind of by default push Miller into that third line center role. But uh, I really wouldn't be opposed to the Rangers, just a one-year deal, just why the heck not? There's a little bit of cap space to play with. Um, you know, I don't know if the Rangers are still trying to find something to get in return for Holden or, or whatever, but uh, just like it's silly not to be calling Yager and Vanek, it's it's silly not to be looking into an option like this. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, well, thank you again to Colton Orr. Um and we will see you guys next week. We'll have some Traverse City to talk about. There's going to be a bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff next week. Yay. Yeah. Hockey. Um, oh Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Beth is a whale. Thanks for listening.